you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we are working our way through this book. and We are almost done. Uh, tonight, I am always amazed at how the Lord works, um, but especially when it comes to the teaching of God's Word, the preaching of God's Word. Uh, this morning, if you were here or if you were not here, we had three things we looked at. We looked at how we must trust the plan of God. And then we looked at how the plan of God will be accomplished. And then third, we looked at how we can be involved in what God is doing. And we looked at what that looks like potentially. But tonight when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we do not get to see what it potentially looked like. We get to see someone who has experienced it is getting ready to, to lose his life and begins to say what has been through. And so tonight we will get to see a first-hand account of the truth that we read this morning. And I think that is very important because we learn from the examples that we see. We learn how God works and moves by how He has worked and moved in the lives of others. And so when we read the Old Testament, it's given to us as an example, right? To point us to what God can do and how God works. And so when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 9, if you can and are able and willing to stand with me as we read verses 6 through 9 tonight, as we're almost done with this precious, precious book. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. If you would pray with me. Father, I thank you for who you are and what you do. Lord, I thank you for answered prayer. Lord, seeing different situations and different recoveries and, and the gift of life, Lord, and just uh, we're thankful for that. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts, that your spirit would be at work through the power of your word tonight for your glory. Lord, there's nothing I can say, nothing I can do, Lord, if you do not do it. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me, and Lord, of any sin that I know of, that I don't know of in my heart or life tonight. And Lord, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So what really matters for this church? What really matters for you as a child of God? We've been looking at that as Paul writes this last letter before he dies. He writes it to a young preacher by the name of Timothy who was pastoring a church at Ephesus. And we looked at how this church was strong. It was dynamic. God had used it, but yet there were things that were starting to fall apart how there were influential people coming into the church and how they were trying to take the church the wrong direction. And you can look at that in the book of Revelation and see the church at Ephesus and how it has finally fallen apart, kind of, but yet Paul had warned them. This was a church that Paul loved greatly, and we're going to look at that from the book of Acts, chapter 20. And so tonight the question is, what does it mean for me as a child of God, as a person who loves the local church, as a person who is committed to the local church, who believes that God's plan to reach and work in the world is through the local church. 
Tonight, that is a question that I hope you will think about. First thing I want to show you is, as we look this morning about we must trust the plan of God, that Paul shows us that he did trust God's plan. Look at verse 6 here tonight. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says, I know that my life is coming to an end. He says, I know that I am going to die for the faith that I have preached. I know I am going to give my life for the cause that has consumed me, for the Savior who has saved me. But when you read this here, you do not see any kind of discouragement. You don't even see any kind of um, sadness in the fact that he knows that God has used him for everything he was intended to be used And now it's time. When we look at this drink offering, we have to go back to the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. And if you've read the book of Numbers, you know in the Old Testament, uh, you can find that in in, uh, Numbers 15, talking about the burnt offering. And the burnt offering in the Old Testament was an offering for sin. And it was for the people that the wages of sin was death and that there was necessary a sacrifice to demonstrate that. And we know that after that, there were some different incense put on that. But the last thing that went over that offering was the drink offering. It was a sweet wine that was poured over it for an aroma to cover the death and and the sacrifice that was required. And Paul says, my entire life since I have come to know Christ has been about serving Him following Him, and this last thing that I can do for Christ, dying for my faith, is like a sweet aroma. It is the last thing I can do for my Lord this side of heaven. To him, it was about, God, you have a purpose for my life. God, you have a plan for my life, and I am trusting you with it. And so while this morning we look the fact that God does have a plan, Paul is looking back saying, I've lived out God's plan for my life. And tonight that should give us great encouragement with wherever we're at in our walk with the Lord. Whether we feel that we are serving Him, whether we feel that we're just getting started, whether we feel that we have failed Him, Paul tells us, That wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, whether you're starting, whether you are finishing, the key is to trust Him with whatever comes ahead of you. In Philippians, the second chapter, Paul writes the very same things to the Philippians. Hold fast the worth of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says we should be rejoicing that God has brought us together for this season. That God has used me to bless you. He's used you to bless me. And when we finally accomplished all that God wants for us, we should be okay. We should rejoice. We should celebrate because God has gotten everything out of us He wants. But friends, that's not how we approach death. That's not how we approach meeting our Lord if we're honest. But tonight, if you are going to 
understand God's purpose and plan for your life, you have to be committed that whatever God sends you through, whatever God allows you to go through, whatever God allows you to face, whatever opportunities God has given you, there is a purpose behind it. There is a plan behind it. You say, well, why is Paul not asking for more time? Why is Paul not upset that after all of these years that he can retirement and take it easy? And I mean, he's earned it. Literally, your Bible probably has a map somewhere in it about Paul's missionary journeys. And you can follow all that God used him for and how God worked through his life. If anybody deserved a few years of retirement, it was what? It's Paul. But he says, oh, no, no. He says, I want to serve up to the very end. And he said, I even want my death to be able to be used by the Lord for His glory. Friends, that's a heart that loves God. That's a heart that trusts God. You say, well, I'm no Apostle Paul. I'm just me. Well, in Romans chapter 12, Paul writing to this church at Rome says, I beseech you, or I urge you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And that word for reasonable, for us, would be more rational. You say, what do you mean rational? It says if Christ died for you, if Christ saved you, if Christ has changed you, if Christ indwells you, it only makes sense that the evidence of that is a life lived for Him. And Paul says, don't just wait until your death to serve Him, but serve Him as what? Living sacrifices. That means when you go into your place employment and you get ready to start your day at work, am I living in such a way that honors the sacrifice that Christ laid down for me? When you wake up in the morning and you look over at your spouse before they've got their makeup on or their teeth brushed or their coffee or in my case my hair powder, whatever it is that you do in the morning, can you say, Lord, use me as a living sacrifice to influence the person that I live with, the person that is married to me, God, the person that you gave me. Lord, help me to live in such a way that honors the sacrifice that Christ made for me. When you're dragging your kids to the breakfast table before they go to school, when they're fighting over clothes or where the hairbrush is and you're hearing a morning in our home, someone can't find their shoes, someone can't find their backpack, their, the thing they take your lunch in, uh, lunchbox, whatever it's called, and it's a chaotic mess. In that moment, can I say to myself, Paul said, live a living sacrifice before them. Paul doesn't say there's a time to take a day off. He says live every day, every moment. The Bible says bring every thought captive. You see, friends, we have been saved for a purpose. God doesn't just save us so that we can live and do and go and enjoy whatever we want. No, we are saved to be servants. We are saved to be soldiers in the Lord's army. We are saved to be sent We were bought at a price. And for far too long as churches, we have convinced everyone just to get the forgiveness part, but you don't need anything else. But friends, when you get the forgiveness part, 
and you understand what God has done for you, what He sacrificed for you, what He went through for you, friends, it should change everything about you. It's not a burden to serve the Lord. It's a joy to serve the Lord. It's not a burden to obey the commandments of God. It's a joy to serve the commandments of God. For far too long, we have made everyone think that the only way to be a Christian is to be miserable. But Paul says, no. I'm getting ready to die, but it's all worth it. The shipwrecks, the beatings, the torture, the being stoned, the being snake bitten, all of it was worth it because Christ is worth it. I think I've told this story, but it's been a long time ago. Some of you are at the age where you forget things, so I'll tell it again. I'm kidding. I first met my wife. I have been accused of being a tightwad from time to time. I had an old Bonneville. It had like 260,000 miles on it. The headliner was sagging. You know, it looked like, a, anyway, I won't tell you what it all looked like. But anyway, it was a class act, all right? I met my wife and realized I've got to get something else to drive. And so I can't remember if it was that week or the next week I went up and and uh, had traded for a kind of cool-looking truck. Anyway, it doesn't matter what it was, because I was like, I've got to impress her. I don't want her to think that, you know, we're going to live in a camper our whole life, all right, or something. Um, and then I'll never forget, I, I thought, you know what? She's pretty healthy. She's pretty in shape. I'm going to start running, right? And even if I don't start running, I'm going to tell her I've started running, okay? And so uh, I bought some running shorts and some stuff that I couldn't, didn't have any, as you can imagine, at that time. And, and I might have run one time, but right, it didn't matter what it took. I thought she was worth it. It didn't matter what it was. It was, did not matter, right? I would have dyed my hair purple if that's what I thought she wanted. It changed the way I lived. Friends, I want you to know something. If Jesus does not change the way that you live, you don't know him. You don't know him. Because, friends, there's something about him. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. The God that is willing to forgive your most darkest and damaging moments. The God who knows everything about you but yet died for you anyway. Paul says... I trust the plan that God's had for my life. Second thing I want to show you from this tonight, we've only got three verses, so hopefully we'll be done quickly. The second point that we had this morning was the plan of God will be accomplished. And tonight we see that Paul had seen God's plan accomplished. Paul had seen God's plan accomplished. Look what he says in verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now Paul didn't see everything that God was going to do through the church and through the gospel, but he got to see a lot of it. He got to see it go from seeing it as this Jewish offstart to being a missionary that took the gospel all over the known world. Seeing churches planted and started and strengthened. He had seen how God had used him in such a mighty way. And what he says is, I have fought the good fight. That word for fight, we think of boxers, right? But it's really a word for struggle. A, a word that, that gives the idea of a military conquest. And in the middle of the battle, the charging and the, and the warfare and all that goes on with us, the struggle. 
in the most dire of situations. He says, I have fought, I have struggled through it. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says, I have seen God accomplish through me so much. And friends, tonight I ask that. When you lay your head on the pillow, can you honestly look back at your day and say, man, God used me today. God used me to extend kindness to someone that was really down. God used me to share the gospel two times today when I went. Man, God gave me an opportunity to forgive and love my wife. God gave me a way to encourage and strengthen my husband. Do you ever look back and look at your day and say, God, what did you accomplish by using me today? Some things you won't know. Some things you'll never know. But friends, if that's not the question that we lay, that we ask ourselves when we lay our head on the pillow, we're thinking about the wrong things. You say, well, Jake, I didn't do anything today. I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I'm homebound. I can't go. I can't do. Then I ask you this question. How much time did you spend in prayer? How much time did you spend praying for your church family, for your pastor, for your Sunday school teacher? You say, well, Jake, I watched 12 hours of Fox News. Don't. I mean, if I'm going to watch news, that's what I'm going to watch too. But there is nothing edifying about it. What you should have done today has been praying for Israel. The nation that God loves, that God's going to work through, that God's going to use. Friends, if you can't watch what's going on in Israel today, a piece of property that does not matter, it's got no value other than God said it's His. And all of the world's eyes are on Israel today. You ought to spend time praying for them today. Praying that God begins to use this. I, I honestly drove to church today thinking, I hope I get up to preach and the rapture happens. That's what I was telling myself. I don't even want to preach this sermon. I just want to go. I want to just get out of here. But friends, don't miss this. 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says it like this. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Paul says, I was willing to forgive so that God could accomplish his plans through me instead of holding on to unforgiveness and letting Satan use me. Friends, you need to understand, Satan can influence and use you. He can use you in your marriage. He can use you in your relationships at work. He can allow you and use you to be a stumbling block for those who are evaluating your faith. But Paul says, I didn't do that. He says, I forgave. He says, I forgave that person in the presence of Christ. Why would he do that? Because he wanted Christ to use him. And friends, I ask you that. When you forgive someone, when you hide a sin, when you speak evil of someone, when we gossip and backbite, we're not just doing it to that person. We're allowing Satan to use us. And as a church, we must ask ourselves when we leave here after a business meeting, when we leave here after a service, when we leave here after Sunday school, God, was I used by you? Or did I let Satan use me? Now you say, well, I would never be used by Satan. When was the last time you gossiped about someone? 
When was the last time you told a lie? When was the last time maybe you didn't say anything about a person, but boy, your attitude sure told it. See, friends, we have to get back to like Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul said the same thing in Ephesians chapter 6 about the struggle to be used by God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God's power working through you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, he tells you two options. The power of God can be working through you as you go through your spiritual battles. Or you're going to be going through spiritual battles with your own power. Friends, that's a big difference. If you are a child of God, you are going to go through spiritual battles. It's not a question of if. The question is, what is the power that is pushing you through it? What is the power that you are fighting against that with? So in verse 13 it says, now that you understand that, what are you going to do about it? Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Paul says, I'm not immune to this. Paul says, this is what is required if you want to look back at your life and say, God, you've used me. God, you've worked through me. In Jude, uh, it's only one chapter, so in verse 3 it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, it wasn't just Paul's lifestyle. It was, as Paul says there in verse 7, I have kept the faith. It's not talking about a personal faith. It is the faith. He's talking about the Word of God, the message of God. He says, I have been faithful to the task that God has given me until the very end. And what Jude says is, it is our responsibility to be faithful with the Word of God to be faithful to the local church, to do what God has asked us to do. If we want to look back and say that God has accomplished His plan through us. Third and final thing. This morning we looked that we must trust the plan of God and we looked at how Paul trusted the plan of God. This morning we looked at how the plan of God can be accomplished and how Paul had seen God accomplish that through him. And the third and final thing that we looked at this morning is we can be involved in what God is doing. We can be involved in what God is doing. And Paul says, I was able to be a part of what God was doing. You say, is that the same thing? No. Because it becomes an individual that God used Paul. God can use you. Look what it says in verse 8 of this text tonight. Finally... There is laid up for me. Paul says, for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord and righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, I am looking back at my life and I trusted God's plan. (laughs) I have seen God accomplish so much. I got to be a part of it. 
I got to be a part of what God was doing. And he says, but not only can I be a part of what God's doing and receive the reward, but he says, so can you. So can you. Tonight I ask that if that's what you want. It's not something that I can convince you of. It's not something that your Sunday school teacher can convince you of. But tonight I ask you, when you think about what God wants for your life, when you think about God, what do you want from me? Is there any desire at all to please Him? Is there anything in you as the Spirit of God works that says, Yes, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to just sit on a pew or a chair. I don't just want to show up once in a while. I don't want to pat other people on the back when they do things for God. I want to be a part of it. I want to be able to be a part of what God's doing. I think there are two reasons that people don't. You can disagree with me. It doesn't matter. One is I think most people don't think they're worthy or can. Their past keeps them from being who God wants them to be today. And two, they don't think they have the abilities. I'm not a good public speaker. Or, you know, I, I, you know, I, just, I, I just can't. I'm not. I won't. That's the first one. Right? Guilt. Insecurities that God never said were yours to carry. And on the flip side of that, pride. Well, who do... I got 13 degrees. I'm not working in the nursery. We got much money I give. I'm, I'm not singing in the choir. Well, well, I've already done 17 mission trips. I'm not going on another one. That's pride. To think whatever you've been through or whatever you've accomplished to said, I'm too big for God. Friends, there are no insignificant tasks in the kingdom of God. I uh, told Jamie this morning our, I, I was going to be doing the singing at Heritage Woods, and that's not pleasant for anyone to listen to. And Jamie had heard that he wasn't going to be, uh, I don't know what. Anyway, he said, I'll, I said, I'll be there at 1.30. I was like, no, don't worry about it, man. You, don't worry about it. Right, you're leading the singing here morning and night. Don't worry about it. Well, anyway, he comes barging in at 125 or something because he doesn't listen. And, uh, but, uh, no, I appreciated that. Right, it's, it's not here. It's not in front of all you, but it matters. Matters to those people that were there today that said, Praise the Lord, right? The dogs are not howling outside of Heritage Woods, all right? They were blessed by it. And one person said, as, uh, <clears throat> uh, as I was there just a little bit ago, I can't believe he came and sang for us. I'm like, Well, I know he's a pretty big deal. You know, <laughs> you know me, I said something dumb like I always do. But it meant something to them. And friends, you never know how God might use you. I'm kidding. You know I'm teasing. You never know what seems insignificant to you, how God might use it, how God might work. The question is, do you have a heart to be used by God at all? In Acts chapter 20, and then we're going to be done, the apostle Paul realized that he was heading to Jerusalem, to prison, and in starting in verse 17, we're not going to read it all. He called for the elders of a certain church, the leaders of the church at Ephesus. He loved them. He loved this church. And in verse 19, it's not going to be on the screen behind you because you ought to be reading your Bibles. 
serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. He says, man, we went through it together. He says, we served the Lord together in Ephesus, and they were out to get not only me, but you. He says, we wept together. We struggled together. They tried to murder us together. He he goes on and says, but I didn't keep anything back. I just kept doing what God told me to do. He said, I just kept preaching, and I kept preaching, and I kept preaching. But when it comes to verse 32... I want you to hear how he sums up his obedience to the Lord. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with you, me. I have shown you in every way. He says, whether I was working, whether I was preaching, whether we were celebrating, whether we were weeping, whether we were trying to stay alive, he said, in every way, don't miss this, in every way by laboring like this, that you might support the weak. Who does he say to support? the rich, the famous, the powerful, the influential. No, he says the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I ask you that tonight. Is there any desire in your heart at all as a child of God to be used to care for people who will never be able to do anything earthly for you in return. We see it in the business world. Be nice to those who can invest. Be nice to those who can, can, can help fund things. Be nice to those who pay the bills. But Paul says, oh, no, no, no. When I was there and I was serving and I was loving and I was caring, it for those who were weak. Spiritually weak, emotionally weak, physically weak, financially weak. He says, that's the example you have. And so tonight as we think about us as a church, we should expect that if God is going to find us faithful, then we need to be doing what He would want us to do. This verse that Paul talked about in verse 8, he talks about standing before the Lord and receiving His reward and And we should all be that way, knowing that the Lord does reward faithful service to Him, not with salvation, but with the crown of righteousness. You say, what am I going to do with that crown? I believe you're going to lay it back at His feet. Because really everything He accomplishes through any of us, if you really love Him, you know that it was all Him. The only thing good in me is Him. And so tonight I ask you the question, do you really believe that God has a plan for you? You say, well, Jake, I come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, I try not to cuss and beat up my wife, and, you know, I try to pay my taxes, I try not to speed too much, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Friends, if that's all you think God wants from you, you are sadly mistaken. Do you believe that God can use you to accomplish things for Him? 
Do you really believe that God can use you to reach people wherever He sends you? And then third, is there any desire in you at all to be a part of that? You say, Jake, that's why we pay you. You can go do it all. I'll do as much as I can do. I like to work. I like to visit people. I like to preach the gospel. I like to witness to people. But I tell you, if I go too much, I get tired and I get goofy, and that does more damage than it does good, all right? But God wants to use you. You say, I don't have a title. I don't have a degree. It doesn't matter. God wants to use you. There are some people that you will come into contact with that I will never meet. There will some people that you will spend a lifetime at work building relations with them that I will never meet. No matter how hard a pastor works, there will always be some people that say, works 30 minutes Sunday morning, 30 minutes Sunday night, he cashes him checks and sits on the golf course. I don't play golf, all right? But you can be that example that God uses to reach into their lives in board meetings and in in places of employment, sitting on school boards, um, serving in the PTO together. God can use you if you let him. And the question that I have for this church tonight, you who are here on Sunday night, who have been faithful and dedicated and committed for years, is there any of that desire left to say, Lord, here I am, send me. Because if it's not there, tonight we can get alone with God and say, Lord, stir it back up. Remind me that I'm not too old or too broken or too good to be used by you. Or maybe tonight you're here saying, Jake, I'm ready. I'm just praying for what God does next. That's my challenge to you tonight. But I do want to also say that if you're here tonight and you've never made that decision to get your heart and life to Jesus, None of this sermon makes any sense. But know that Jesus loved you, died for you, was buried and rose again and wants to save you and put you on a path to serving Him. And it's worth it. Father, I thank you so much for your word tonight. I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word, the verse by verse, word by word, walking through the scriptures. Father, tonight I pray for this church. Pray, Lord, that you give us a desire and a passion to honor you that only comes from you, God. Not rallying the troops by any other means, Lord, but a special touch in the hearts and lives of your people. Tonight we pray, Lord, for a fresh move, a a reviving spirit, Lord, a stirring in our hearts and lives that leads to great change and great fruit. And Lord, I give you all the praise and honor as I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.